Hour two of the WRCU Wednesday crew. Eddie Kaligi now here with you. Al Krauthammel, Dylan Allen, Gideon Fox as well. Now, I've been briefed that there was a Yankees conversation that stretched for many minutes before I got here. So now we got to shift to the other team in the local area, the New York Mets, who have already had a very eventful start to the season in spring training. So let me start with my prediction. I will just throw okay. it out there. I think the Mets are going to win the division. Okay. I think they're going to be able to win the division. But as it ha- what happens every year, there's going to be a collapse at some point. It's going to happen in the NLDS. And as we saw, the NL playoffs last year were very unpredictable. So I see the Mets make it, winning the NL East, but getting like the three seed potentially and then losing in the wild card round again. So mm. either that or they get to the NLDS by being a two seed, but they are not making it to the NLCS. Okay. If Edwin Diaz was healthy, I think they could have made the NLCS, but the bullpen without Diaz is just such a difference now. And he's not the only pitcher. They have so many pitching injuries. I know you guys probably talked at length about the Yankees injuries, yep. but the Mets have a lot as well. Jose Quintano, who was supposed to be in the rotation out until at least July. Of course, Diaz, the biggest blowout for the season. Uh, Bryce Montez de Oca, who had a good ending to last year, was supposed to make the bullpen this year. Now, he has some elbow issue. He has to have arthroscopic surgery, so he's going to be out for a few months. So those are three arms that were definitely going to be in the Mets' arsenal that will not be there. Offensively, thank the heavens, and uh, Frank the Tank is probably <laughs> thrilled right now, but Darren Ruff is gone. The Batman go. is gone. It's over. I still don't know why the Mets traded four people for Darren Ruff. I forgot about that trade. Yeah, they four traded people? four prospects for that guy. Okay, they tra- it, they it, were it, low it, level. It, it wasn't even just prospects. They traded J.D. Davis, who had That's been right, a productive yeah. piece JD of the Davis team for is much better than three Ruff. and a half years. They traded Sapucky, which is the funny thing. Thomas Sapucky made one major league start. He gave up 10 runs to the Giants, <laughs> and the Giants then acquired him in the trade. And then there were two other like mid-level prospects, but still four for one for Darren Ruff, and one's a starter, yeah, or at least could be a bench guy. <laughs> JD Davis is a lot better than Darren Ruff, yes. so Darren Ruff is gone. Now the Mets are also keeping Brett Beatty in the minors to start the year. I think that will change by the end of the month, especially we from learned Steve about Miller's it. class. Yeah, shout out Bobby Brownlee, yes, sir, uh, explaining to us how the. Uh, clock works for service time. Woo-hoo. I think Brett Beatty is going to be in the majors by the end of April, and yep. I think he'll be playing a lot of third base. Alvarez struggled in spring training. There's really no reason to rush him since the Mets did acquire a catcher in the offseason. This team still feels like it's one bat short, and Carlos Correa may have been able to address that. I don't think he would have been the best option. Because if they signed him to a long-term deal, then we're looking 10 years from now, you will have 40-year-old Francisco Lindor and 40-year-old Carlos Correa with a depleting ankle. Yeah. And that, that, that would have been bad. But they, I think they should have done more. And I know kind of saying that about Steve Cohen is crazy because of how much he has already done in the last two years. But I don't think there was enough done this year to improve the team beyond what they had last year. Because... You replace DeGrom with Verlander, Cy Young for Cy Young. Which I'm, is hard to do. Yes. I'm going to miss DeGrom. I, I still prefer DeGrom over Verlander, but I do believe that Verlander can give them more innings on a consistent basis and less of a chance of injury. But you do that. Now the bullpen, not really improved because you lose Diaz. Uh, you replace Bassett with Sanga, which could be pretty equal as well to last year. And then the offense, you don't make any moves. So, aside from Narvaez, from McCann. So, really, this team didn't really get much better. 
And that's what scares me because the Padres are going to be really good. The Phillies and Braves have both gone to the World Series the last two years. Braves won it. Phillies almost did. Cardinals are going to be good. Dodgers are going to be good. It's going to be a challenge. And I I think the Mets might be able to squeeze out a division title, but I don't see them going on a deep run in the playoffs at all. And two of the teams you mentioned are in the division. So they, the NL East will be a dogfight, and I think the Phillies will be much better than they were last year than just an 80-plus, what was it, 88-win wildcard team, whatever it was. They added Trey Turner. Um, but what you said with the Mets, they they didn't – I mean, they, they improved slightly – but they retained a lot of what they had last year. And it's hard to replace Jacob DeGrom. You know, your best pitcher, maybe since Tom Seaver, walks out the door, doesn't want to be a Met, and you're Steve Cohen, and you realize Max Scherzer's great, but you still need that that one-two punch. You still need the one, or maybe you view as a two, whatever it is. But you needed to fill that hole. And so, you know, you go from even to now down here, you know, and then once you sign Verlander, you go back to here. So... Maybe they didn't move as much or improve as much as you maybe wanted, but they filled in the holes they needed to, I felt. They re-signed the players they needed to. And, you know, there's still always the trade deadline, which in when that time comes, everything might look different. Like, the Mets might be really, really better than we expect, or maybe they're sellers. I don't expect it, but you never know what happens or who gets hurt or what position needs more, you know, needs to be addressed more than others. Because right now you're saying... Um, you know, you feel like you're a bat short, but say there's a couple injuries in the bullpen, you know, you might not even go out there and go get a hitter um, or a position player at the deadline. You might go get a couple of bullpen arms, and we'll see with a couple of those guys you name that might kind of be late season um, impacts for the Mets. We'll see how they do, but um, I don't mind the Verlander signing at all. Like, I think he's just... Well, yeah, more I, consistent than DeGrom, like in in the sense that he'll play more. Yeah, I don't know. You don't a, take that risk. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. it. I mean, they replaced a Cy Young with a Cy Young. My right. thing is that outside of that, there was not much done to improve the team, especially the lineup, because the lineup did have its struggles down the stretch. The lineup is what cost them the division, and then this, the rotation is what cost them the Padres series. But you know, you, you can expect off starts from people. But you need consistency from the lineup, and oh, great, Darren Ruff is gone. But like, there's <laughs> there's still some holes in this team. Uh, I don't know how how consistent Escobar is going to be at third. I kind of hope Guillaume gets more playing time. Um, you know, Pete Alonso goes through his funks at times. Starling Marte had a finger injury and was out for right. like six months, so I worry about his health. And I just look at the NL. It's weird because in some ways I'd feel good about the way things are because the Braves lost some key pieces this offseason again. The Dodgers, in my opinion, are the weakest they've been since maybe 2015, the year the Mets beat them in the NLDS roster-wise, and they don't have Gavin Lux. The Phillies, I still believe, played ridiculously over their heads and went on a crazy run last year, and it's going to be hard to replicate. I know they brought in Trey Turner, but the rotation to me beyond the top two is still bad. Aren't they going to be without Bryce Harper until like June too? Yeah, and Reese Hoskins for the entire year. That's so, I, I, I don't even have the Phillies making the playoffs. Um, that's one of my bold things. I have the Cubs making the playoffs over the Phillies. That oh, is, wow, that is my big. Dennis would be happy. Yes, he that is that happy. is my big surprise. I th- I look at the Cubs roster. The Cubs have ro- have a roster with players that know it'll win late in the year. Hosmer is one. Bellinger another. Swanson another. Ian Happ, another. You've got like four good guys with Jameson Tyone, another former Yankee legend. Yeah, hey, Jameson Tyone wasn't all that bad. No, I know he was good. Yeah. He was solid. Mm-hmm. So good sign. I, th- I think they overpaid, but I mean, hey, listen, you got him, you got him. That's it. The other thing that works in the Mets' favor is 
I think that the rule change that nobody's talking about with the pitch clock and everything is the scheduling change. You right. only play your division 13 times a year. This is going to make the spread of the divisions even worse because the AL Central at least had the opportunity to beat up on itself and kind of inflate their roster their, uh, a little bit better. Now all of those AL Central teams who are garbage are going to get destroyed because they <laughs> have to play every good team from the National League at least once this year. So... I think that might work out to the Mets' favor as well that they have to play less games in division. My problems, again, is closing games because if you don't have Diaz and Lugo is gone, those were your only two reliable relievers last year. Uh, Adovino at times was good, but it's going to be him or David Robertson, and they're both old. And the (laughs) rotation, uh, David Peterson, I hope, works out, but he still hasn't been able to really get his consistent footing in there. And then, of course, the fact that their rotation – of Exing Peterson and Senga are three guys who are 35 or older, and Carrasco and Verlander have both had recent injury history. So those are my problems there. The offense, I think, will piece itself together. I think Beatty is going to be a contributor, and Alvarez will be eventually as well. But I just don't think they did enough. And again, I don't really know if that was part of the plan for Steve Cohen because I think next year is going to be when he goes crazy and he signs Shohei Otani. Oh, but, God. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think this team's going to be good enough to win the division, but I, for me at least, I've got it coming down to San Diego and St. Louis out of the National League. Okay. Because my, my follow-up was going to be, I mean, listen, the Mets won 100 games last year, and they um, they nearly won the division. I mean, they were leading for more than a lot of the season. I, I don't know the exact time, but... You have to think if the Mets' downfall, say, is just in like the first month and a half, two months, and they get their footing right and they're playing good baseball going into October, that it'll be different. And maybe they get to the NLCS, you know? I, I think last year you just caught a bad case of the bad timing. Like, the Mets were phenomenal all year long, and then it just derailed the last month of the year yeah. and it carried into October. I know, but how many times has that happened, too? Like, the Mets. Well, the not Mets, with rosters like this. The Mets always start strong. And no matter how. Oh, that I know. Yeah. No matter how. <laughs> bad the team is they have the best opening day record by far of any team in like the history of the league so that's a lock for tomorrow they all yeah i i think they're gonna win tomorrow but they 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 always start the first like two weeks strong then they get a couple of injuries then they'll have some crazy wins in may and june and things will be going well they'll have a couple of nice moments in july gary cohen will be screaming and getting all excited (laughs) on sny and And then then, august and then august happens (sighs) and then Yes, last year it waited until September, and ironically, it was when they played the worst teams. Um, and they lose? The, they didn't get swept by the Pirates. Uh, they did not get swept by the Pirates. They lost a couple of games. Taiwan Walker had all three of his starts as a Met. He gave up at least six runs against the Pirates in his appearances against Pittsburgh, which is crazy. Uh, they lost those games to Oakland, and Jacob Degrom gave up more than three earned runs for the first time in like five years. Then they had that horrible series at home against the Cubs mm-hmm. and lost all four of those games, including oh. the one where David Peterson didn't get an out, which is, again, and now he's he's the number two starter, the way they structured this, too. And this is another thing that's interesting, which I actually like. So Scherzer's going tomorrow. They split Scherzer and Verlander and put David Peterson second because they think a lefty kind of throws things off. Plus, last year they ran into the problem when DeGrom and Scherzer were back-to-back then you'd have the bullpen taxed for three straight days against the starters who weren't the same caliber. So now you kind of split it, and you can give the bullpen a little bit better rest, I guess. So I don't know the biggest problem with that, but 
I still would like to see what Tyler McGill can bring to the table at some point. He was the opening day starter last year, but uh, David Peterson has been very hit or miss with me. Part of it is because of just organizational mismanagement, but I'll end my rant on this. Like, <laughs> They're going to be good. This roster, it's hard to fail with this roster and with a good manager in Buck Showalter, but there's going to be injuries and there's going to be challenges and no Diaz. People are underestimating how important he was to this team. Edwin Diaz being out there versus what they're going to put out there as the closer could legitimately turn this, you know, could affect five, six games, a win versus a loss. And as we saw, one extra loss last year cost them the division against the Braves. Six losses in a stacked NL, they could really slip deep into the playoff picture. But they'll win the division. They'll figure out how to close it out in September. But I don't think this is a team that's built for October. You you act like they didn't do enough, but they but they brought in the greatest baseball player of all time, Tim LaCastro. Yeah, I do like Tim LaCastro. Another Yankee legend that he beat out Darren Ruff. I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he was the one that beat Darren Ruff. But yeah. they did get rid of Patrick Mazika mid-season last year, who had four walk-off fielders' choices in two years. That that's a is wild. that some kind of record? I think so. That's a wild <laughs> stat. He's like. F- Sixth or seventh all time in the Mets in like walk off hits, and it's all because of fielder's choices in like two years <laughs> when he was the third string catcher. I, I'm a Yankees fan, but the one random Met that I remember that always comes to mind is Devin Mezzarocco. I think he was like the catcher that they traded Matt Harvey for yeah, as part of their return for yeah, Matt Harvey. And, and Mezzarocco hit like 100 when he was with the yeah. Mets. He was horrendous. Yeah, a lot oh, of perfect. He could start for the Yankees. They love it. If, as long as he gets on base uh, yeah. 35% of the time, he'll, he could start. Yeah. So. Very. Who, who are the Mets playing tomorrow again? Miami. Oh, it's yeah, a good matchup. Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. And and Frank the Tank is currently driving down there right I now. I have seen. I also saw that he stayed at south of the border. Yes. And it was disgraced. Yes. He was not happy. Quite the experience for him. <laughs> yes. For anyone who's driven down I ninety five south, you've passed it. it. You can't miss it. I mean, it's this huge. It's just just this huge. Um, well, no. Well, let's, let's start before that. When you're on nor- in North Carolina for like yeah. 200 miles, you see these really faded billboards for mm-hmm. it that start coming up like every mile. Yeah. And it's so hyped up. And then you just see it's like a big sombrero in the sky in a broken down motel with mm-hmm. a couple of amusement park rides. I, it that must don't have work. been. It must have been something cool back in the day. But now it's just like, oh my god. I mean, they, they posted a video today. It just there's it was dead. Nothing going on. Uh, but it should be Scherzer versus Alcantara. I'll, I'll tune in by then. The Yankees game should be over, so um, I'll tune in. That's a good pitching matchup. But if I had to pick a division winner, Eddie, I'd probably go with the Braves again because, you know, I to be fair, both teams didn't really improve in my opinion. I mean, the Braves, they lost Dansby Swanson. That's a tough hole to fill. But at the same time, you're getting a, a healthy Ronald Acuna for hopefully the whole season. Um and, you know, you're getting Austin Riley, Spencer Strider, another full season. A lot of good guys for the Braves. So I, I think it's going to be another dogfight between those two. I agree with you. I think the Phillies, despite their good roster, or excuse me, lineup, I think they have pitching holes. And I think, um, you know, the pitching kind of got their footing right at the right time last year in the playoffs. And they had some good outings from, like, Ranger Suarez and stuff like that. But I think it might catch up to them in the in the, in the the regular season. And... Maybe they got lucky last year, but the NL Central was kind of iffy. So if the if the NL Central is competitive, um, you know, it, I could see a, a scenario where the Phillies have a tough time getting in potentially. Um, now, the one thing I want to ask you, yeah. and you mentioned it might be a plus for the Mets, is the schedule with um, the new schedule where you only play your division 13 times, right? Yes. So it's good in the sense that you're not playing the Phillies and Braves what seems like every week and you're just kind of flipping between the two right but at the same time if you're in a similar situation as last year where 
you know, you need to beat the Braves or if it's at the Phillies, whoever, you know, to get in, to win the division. Now you only have so many chances. So now those series back in April that you're like, ah, you know, we lost. Now it's like we only have one more series against them in the next two months. You have to win these games. Like it's it's kind of like pros and cons. Yeah. It's kind of a sticky situation. I see that, but I also feel like as the season went on last year, the Braves figured out how to beat the Mets once they had had several meetings with them. The yeah. Mets dominated them to begin the year, and then Atlanta started to piece things together. They figured out a way to beat DeGrom, and they figured out an approach to beat Scherzer, and then the Mets really had nothing on them. So I think in the end it works out better for them, but looking at the grand scheme of things for the NL to kind of pivot, so... The Mets, the Braves, the Phillies are serious contenders in the East. I think the Marlins are going to have a decent roster and maybe contend for like 75, 80 games. But again, they're in a tough division. Nationals are a disaster. Then the Central, Cardinals are going to be very good. I know no more Pujols, no more Molina, but maybe it's better that way. I mean, they were both very old. Uh, They won't have Wainwright to begin the season. Pitching is going to be a concern for them, I think, at the start. But their lineup and their prospects are huge. I like the Cubs. I've already talked about that. I think the Brewers are going to be a disappointment this year. I think all of the distractions with Corbin Burns and them just not really having a good lineup is going to set them back. Pirates are going to be better than some people might think, but they'll still be bad. Reds are going to be atrocious. (laughs) And then the West... Padres, to me, are the undisputed best team in the National League. They proved they could finally go on a deep playoff run last year, which they had struggled under Preller for so long. They bring back those pieces. They add to the team with Bogarts. And, by the way, Fernando Tatis Jr., if he's healthy, if he plays, uh, it's not going to do the team any worse. It'll be better. So they are in a prime position. The Dodgers, I think, losing... Trey Turner is going to be notable. Not having Gavin Lux is also notable. I know Bellinger hasn't played great the last couple of years, but he was still a big piece on that team in the past. That Justin they lose. Turner's gone. Justin Turner is gone. The rotation they pieced together last year, but they also lost two pieces there. So the Hane dog. He's in Texas. Now. The Hane dog. Yeah, I know. He's gone. I know. The now best one in that rotation. Now he's partnered with Jacob Degrom, which and, is still so tragic. And is Walker Bueller still hurt? I like, think he's out for a while. Because yeah. I, he yeah. He had Tommy John surgery when. I don't. Yeah, I thought I heard Walker Bueller was going to miss most of this season. Anyway. Yeah, I think I saw that too. So you don't have Walker Bueller. You have Kershaw, who's old, and he's been good, but like not himself. And it's Kershaw, Tyler Anderson, and Pepio. I think is their top yeah. three. Yeah, and Dustin May, who Dustin I like. May. I Gonsolin, like Dustin May. Gonsolin's still there. Gonsolin's right? Gonsolin still there. Gonsolin, I don't. Think he had Gonsolin's a good year last be. year. I, it seemed very fluky to me. Yeah. I think he's going to take a step. Yeah, back. I think the Dodgers are going to take a step back. Giants are mid. Uh, yeah, Arizona. I think they could surprise some people. Arizona. I like that Ari- Corbin yeah. Carroll guy. He's pretty good. That guy's electric. Yeah. yeah, they yeah they could be decent. And the combo of Gallon and Merrill Kelly. Regardless of your feelings on Merrill Kelly after the World Baseball Classic, <laughs> that's a good combo. And then Colorado is another a dumpster d- disaster. Too. I have no idea what they're doing. I never have any idea what they're doing. Yeah, the, yeah. to me the Reds are still the. Well, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's some awful teams in baseball. Uh, Oakland is still the worst yes. because what they have done. They DFA'd Christian Pache. I mean, Pache's <laughs> not good, but he hit over 300 in spring training. And by the way, the Phillies picked him up today. And I, I just want to ask a question. Can you name a better duo than the Phillies and center fielders who have really high defensive ceilings but cannot hit for the life of them? Yeah. feels like there's always – they always do this. Like they, they have Brandon Marsh on their team. And even before that, it was Abdul Herrera. And before that, there's probably – there's ben Mickey Moniak. Ben Revere even before that. Yeah, it, it's – that's, that's been the case that. for years. <laughs> but yeah, no. Back to the A's. Yeah, it's they they they're terrible. 
It, that's they're yeah. So bad. They're, they're still a pr- there's a problem. I was watching a YouTube video today and uh, about uh, the Reds ownership, and they had some luncheon, and then the Reds owner was presenting how uh, just so people understand, every year by opening day, 14 teams are already out of World Series contention. So he's already like <laughs> qualifying to the fans. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to be contenders this year. And this is a year after on opening day or around opening day. He said like, well. He said something along the lines of like, "Well, fans like if they think the team sucks, they don't have, they don't have to come here." <laughs> like, how tone deaf do you have to be? Listen, I love <laughs> I love that Steve Cohen is willing to spend, at, but the people saying that that's going to spur some of these other owners to spend it's not going it's not to. going it's to not because going to. he has so much more money available, and that's why I mean, in the long run, Major League Baseball really needs a salary cap because no other sport like the, the, all the other major sports have one so you don't just have the same five or six teams having these much better rosters than everybody else yeah I get it and the big city teams being able to spend more money but you know as a Mets fan I'm not complaining right now but <laughs> I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things you know Baltimore's and Cincinnati's unless there's some sort of equivalence aren't really going to be able to compete at the same level I agree so before we wrap up our MLB talk, yeah, um, let's go through who we think some season preseason predictions before they officially um, kick off tomorrow afternoon. Your division winners and who you think will win the World Series. It's it's very early, but just a little preseason watch list for us here on the Wednesday crew. I'll start. I've got my notes app ready. I've oh, got my look whole at thing. This guy Eddie. He's wow, someone so did their homework. Yes, I'm ready to go. All Eddie's right, he's ready. We'll start with the that a. rhymes. Eddie's ready. Yes, sir. What yeah. that doesn't rhyme with Ed the Shed is ready. Is Ed, the shed is Ed the Shed is red. E. I don't know. Ah, that's why I'm Eddie. Eddie is ready. <laughs> it works better that way. Edward is redward. Okay, here we go. So, uh, we'll start with the AL because I was not here for the AL discussion. Uh, Astros, best team. I don't care if Verlander's gone. I don't care if Altuve is, like, missing a finger. But Houston is going to win the AL West and have the best record. Yankees are going to have a good year. Uh, Judge is going to have a step back this year, but he's still going to have that's, a great year. That's expected. The yeah. funny thing is, you a step back is, is still like a career year yeah. for 99% a of the A step MLB back players. to me, I, I, he's going to have like 40 bombs. He'll have one stint in the IL, but he's going to have a good year. So he's going to. they're going to be second. Cleveland's going to win the Central, in my opinion, because they're the only decently run team in that division. Then in the wild cards, I've got some surprises. I think this Red Sox roster might actually work this year Uh-oh. with Devers and Justin Turner once his face is swelling is down. Uh, I th- I've got Boston actually making the playoffs this year as the first wild card. It's going to be very close. Seattle, the second wild card. My other surprise, Angels finally piece it together because Otani is going to go absolutely ridiculous this year on the contract year. So I've got Boston, Seattle, and the Angels as my wild cards. It's going to come down to the Astros and Yankees again. Yankees still won't beat them. It'll go six games this time. Houston goes to the World Series. From the NL, I already kind of previewed this. Padres' best team win the West. I have the Mets barely edging out the Cardinals for the two seed. St. Louis is the three. I've got the Dodgers as the first wild card. Braves as the second. Cubs as the surprise team, the third wild card. Uh, Mets are going to lose to the Cardinals in the NLDS. Padres beat the Braves in the NLCS. I mean, the NLDS. Uh, championship series, Padres over the Cardinals in six. And in the World Series, San Diego wins their first ever in seven over the Astros. Interesting. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, for the division winners, uh, like Dylan and I said before, the Yankees are going to win the AL East. Uh, the Central, I, I agree. I think the Guardians are the best-run franchise in that division. And I also think that the White Sox, they played in any other division that wasn't the AL Central, they would be in last place. Um, well, except for maybe the NL Central. but uh, And then the West... 
It's gonna be tough. I, I think the I think the Mariners are gonna give the Astros a run, but the head to head is gonna give it to the Astros, so I think they'll win the division. The Mariners will get the first wild card spot. Um second one there's three wild card spots, right? I'm not I'm not uh three, yeah. You're not three. tripping. Okay. You're good. Okay, good. Uh the second one I think will be Blue Jays. And then the third one I think will be the where do I want to go with this? I think the Twins are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, so I think the Twins will grab that last wild card spot. And the Yankees, I think, make it to the ALCS. Houston gets upset by the Mariners. It's somehow going to work out like that. I'm, I'm trying to formulate it in my head. But, yeah, it'll, it'll work out like that. The, the Mariners will avenge their loss last year and take down the Astros. Um, and a Mariners-Yankees-ALCS rematch Ooh, that's what I have. many that. years ago. Uh, I think the Yankees take it, and I think they make the World Series. Uh, and then on the NL side, I think the East winner is going to be the Braves, but the Mets are right on their tail, so they get that first wild card spot just like last year. Um, and then in the Central, I think the Cardinals pretty much run away with it. But I do think the Brewers are going to have a bit of a bounce back year as long as they don't sell at the trade deadline again. Um, so I think they'll get that second wild card spot. And then the third, it's tough because, I mean, I, I well, actually, no, the Dodgers are going to get the second spot. And then the, the Brewers will get that final spot. Uh, and I think the, uh, definitely the Padres win the West. Uh, and then the playoffs, it's going to be the NLCS, I think, will be the Cardinals facing off against uh, – I'll go with the Braves again. Um, and I think you know the Braves just have the better pitching at the moment. So I think they move on uh, to the World Series. So it will be the Padres and the Yankees in the World Series, rematch of 1998. And I think the Padres win it in seven games. Mm. Mm-mm. I like that. Listen, I have I have a little spoiler, but I have the Yankees and Mariners in my ALCS as, as well. Um, the Astros will win the AL West, though, I think just over a, a long period of time, 162 games. I think the Astros will just come out on top on that division. I think the Mariners are a very good team, though, no doubt about it. Wouldn't surprise me if they somehow got the division title, but I think the Astros will get it. Um, their pitching is still fantastic, so it wouldn't surprise me if they if they were still able to get that. And they added Jose Abreu at first, so I, I like that move for them. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians for the Central, I think they're a very well, uh, just a very well run team, like you said, Eddie. And I think their pitching is good as well. Um, Shane Bieber is back. McKenzie's good. Uh, I think I don't know if McKenzie's hurt or not, but regardless, I think they're that that division is so bad. I, I just think the Guardians will win the Yankees AL East. It'll be a dogfight between them and the Blue Jays, but I think the Yankees will get it, pull out on top. Um, in the NL, I have the Braves winning the East. I have the Cardinals in the Central, and I have the Padres in the West. Then for the wild card teams, I have the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays. I I, I mean. For the AL, I, I just, I don't know. The Rays always seem to be good, no matter how, like, unknown their roster may be with players. You're like, who is this guy? I need to do full-on research. They somehow find a way to get that guy to bat 300 or to get a, a sub-2.5 ERA from guys you would just never know even existed. So I, I just think they'll be good enough to get in the playoffs, but I think it'll be kind of a similar situation where it was like last year they just they lose 2-0 in the, world, in the wild card. And um, that's that. So I, the Rays get in, I guess. The NL wild card, I have Mets, Phillies, and Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will take a step back, but I don't think they'll be bad enough to miss the playoffs. I think they're too good of a team to miss the playoffs, um, but I don't think they'll win the division. And then in the ALCS, like I said, Yankees, Mariners. And then the NLCS, I have Braves, Padres. Um, I have a Yankees, Padres World Series. And, of course, I'm going to pick my Yankees. I don't care how many games, but 
I think I think the Astros get eliminated by the Mariners, like kind of Alex said. I think the the Mariners kind of uh, avenge that loss from last year. If you remember, they were winning those games, and then it was late pitching that blew it. But they had a chance to actually win that series. And then I think the Yankees finally, finally get a blessing from the baseball gods and don't have to face the Astros in the ALCS. And I think due to maybe lack of experience from the Mariners, they don't win that series. The Yankees move on to the World Series. And it's a toss-up from there. But if you're a Yankee fan, you'll take an appearance in the World Series all day. And obviously you want to win it, but, you know, you'll also take the free ride past Houston if you can avoid it. So I'll go Yankees World Series. Why not? Over the Padres. I have them continuing to win that matchup just like back in the 90s. So um, I have one quick question. Yeah. So in your hypothetical world where the Yankees uh-huh. win the World Series, yes. are either Josh Donaldson or IKF <laughs> still on that roster no. when they're lifting the trophy? No, IK- IKF IKF is either in Scranton or he's on a different team. IKF is entirely. probably gone 24 hours per, from now. Yeah, honestly, he's. I think he'll get traded. Um, I think Josh Donaldson, we talked about this in the first half an hour when we were talking about the Yankees and our expectations, but we kind of all thought that Josh Donaldson would... I mean, it's hard to be worse than you were last year. Yeah. He was like in the 650 OPS. I mean, you can't get much worse than that. We were saying as long as the guy can get you 25, 20 home runs and, and get you in the high 700s, uh, for an, from an OPS standpoint, he plays great defense. So I think he's a solid third baseman. I don't think he's the greatest of the greats, but I don't think he's the worst of the worst if he can just get back to what we've seen when he was in Minnesota. He's an older guy. I don't expect 35-plus home runs, but you know I expect a little bit more than what we got last year. So I do think Josh Donaldson will be there because of how good his de- defense is. IKF will be gone. It, IKF could be gone well after we finish this show tonight. He could be gone in mid-June. Who knows? But... I do not think he will be there lifting that trophy, no. I do not think so. I think Volpe, Volpe will definitely be there. Yeah. That'd be awesome. But uh, that's kind of my predictions. Gideon, I, I know you're not a huge baseball guy. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, my, for my limited baseball knowledge, I'll give you some storylines I want to see happen. Okay. A's Nationals World Series. Uh, well, okay, and that's the end of the segment. <laughs> um, that would be Gore World Series MVP agenda. <laughs> um, we'll call it Yankees World Series. If I had to pick one team, it would be the Yankees. Um, I think the Cardinals uh, would win the NL Central. I actually do think they have a shot at winning the NL Central. It's also the first baseball game I ever went to. Um, I think the go. Padres go in the NL West. I think they're they're loaded with talent. Um, the NL East, I feel, is just a toss-up between the Mets and Braves, and unlike you guys, I, I can't really differentiate. Uh, the AL Central seems just like a complete mess, um, so staying away from that. And I look at the AL West, it's going to be the Astros. It's mm-hmm. just, just going to happen. If it's the Yankees, it's the Astros. Very yeah, much. Some aggravating result to it where <laughs> Dylan will be very sad afterwards. Oh, man. Yeah, l- listen, I it's happened to me now three times, so I'm used to it. If they lose to the Astros in the ALCS this year, whether it's in four or seven, I'll just be like, well, here we go again. On to the next year. And hopefully by then, see, the nice thing was the Giants were good this year, so at least I had something to fall back on. In past years, man, the Giants wouldn't have like th- two wins at that point, or like two and nine, I'd be like, good God, I can't watch anything right now. It's just all brutal right now. So at least last year the Giants were like seven and two or whatever when they got eliminated. So it could have been worse. So hopefully the Giants keep that up. But um, I like I like your picks. It seems like we have a consensus about who will make the playoffs. I think, Eddie, you were really the only one with a couple hot takes. You think I you did. said the Phillies wouldn't make it, right? The Cubs I, will get yeah, in. Yeah, my surprises probably are that the Phillies and the Rays are missing, mm-hmm. and then the Cubs and the uh, Angels. The, but I also have the Red Sox, and I think the Red Sox— The Red Sox, Sox are hot. The Rays, I don't even blame you. I picked them just because they have 
good pitching consistently, but like it's a toss up with them because I don't know anyone on their offense other than Wander Franco and I, is Yandy Diaz still there? Like, yeah, there's just is. so I many no so. names. There's just so yeah. many no names. And I don't like Toronto's roster. And you know <laughs> they had an eight to one lead in a clinching game and they lose last year. Yikes. So like uh, that was awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hate them. I don't think the Blue Jays are making. I think the Yankees and Red Sox are going to be the two of the. The East. Hey, listen, that's what's good for baseball. If the Yankees and Red Sox are both battling out, then those Sunday night baseball ratings will be shooting up. I think they have, like, multiple national... I think they announced the national TV schedule, and the Yankees and Red Sox play, like, three different national TV games. Yeah, there you go. That's against what, each other? The bills. Yeah, just, against each uh, other. That's the way it goes. And that's what pays the bills. Yeah. 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 But, uh... We got about 25 minutes left, so uh, opening day tomorrow. We'll have some other sports topics to finish off the WRSU crew. We'll probably slide into some rapid fire to finish things out when we come back, so stay tuned for that. Eddie Kalegi, Alec Krauthammel, Dylan Allen, Gideon Fox. You're listening to the WRSU crew on a Wednesday here on 88.7 FM and WRSU.org. time for rapid fire for our final segment of the Wednesday edition of the WRSU crew. We may not have started the fire, but college basketball is certainly in flames right now. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. Transfer portal, NBA draft, coaching carousel, so much to get through. So that's why we're putting it on rapid fire because we can just go through it all quickly. Um, one, uh, I'm just kind of looking through John Rothstein's Twitter right now because there has been so much going on that I can't possibly remember it all. I'm also looking um, at a picture of John Rothstein. Yeah, with, screensaver with right now. Steve Peichel. I yes. believe, what was that, Dayton? Or was that uh, yeah, that was in Dayton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one minute ago, Justice Suing from Ohio State entered the NBA draft per his Instagram page. Um, so some Big Ten news. Uh, also, more Big Ten news. Penn State has a new head coach, Mike Rhodes, formerly of VCU, will be taking that job. Um, so, and it looks like uh, VCU will go after Ryan Odom, the current Utah State head coach, who was formerly at UMBC when they beat. Uh, Virginia. I don't know why I blanked on that. Uh, and Temple, after a very interesting, to say the least, coaching search, they are settling on Adam Fisher, the uh, former assistant coach under Micah Shrewsbury at Penn State, who moved on to Notre Dame. Uh, Carl Hobbs was a candidate or finalist. I don't really know that whole pe- that whole Temple coaching search. I mean, everything that's going on in Temple right now is kind of all out of whack. So uh, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, Jalen Clark of UCLA will declare for the draft per his Instagram page. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year finalist nationally uh, tore his his Achilles down the stretch in the season, so uh, he will not return to UCLA. Uh, LJ Cryer of Baylor, one of the better guards this year, entering the NBA draft will maintain his eligibility. Uh, Mike Miles of TCU also entering the NBA draft. Um, and let's see, I'm going down. Well, clear is TSA stuff. pre-check on steroids. That's also from, yes, of from course, Twitter of feed. course. Uh, let's see, South Florida also got a new head coach today. They hired Kennesaw State's Amir Abdurrahim after he did a wonderful job rebuilding that program. They made the NCAA tournament this year. Had a double-digit lead on Xavier for a while, so that was uh, very interesting. It looked like they were going to hire Mike Bray, but for some reason that fell through. So, uh, yeah, they are taking a guy from Kennesaw State who did a very, very good job there. Um what else am I missing? You guys can you guys can can uh, well chime one, in too. one thing I do want to bring up uh, with Jalen Clark that's interesting because I feel like there's going to be sort of a stigma with him going into the draft with him coming off of an injury. But something people really don't talk about is that 
that hasn't really mattered the last few years. The guys who have suffered injuries late in their college careers have actually panned out pretty well in the NBA. Two prime examples, Michael Porter Jr. was hobbled his entire time in Missouri and has turned into a great player with the Denver Nuggets. And of course, Joel Embiid, who then missed the first two years of his NBA career, is a perennial MVP candidate. So I don't think you should read too much into it. Of course, an Achilles injury is major, and I don't know when he'd actually be able to play. But with the way these younger guys are able to heal up from these injuries, I don't think it'll be incredibly long. And then the other thing is Ohio State. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Sensaball also entered the draft yeah. yesterday. Yeah, I think so. He did. Not much of a surprise there. Ohio State had a bad year, but nice run in the Big Ten tournament to get to the semifinals. And uh, I think some of these guys were really able to showcase themselves on a big stage there. And the Buckeyes, this group wasn't really going to go that far, I think, for Big Ten standards. But they have young players that are poised to make an impact in the NBA. And I think both Sensabaugh and Suing could potentially do that. And Caleb Love for UNC entered the transfer portal, was that yesterday or the day before? A couple days ago. Apparently, he's been linked to Indiana, so that could be an interesting Uh landing spot for him. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, that guy can make shots at the best of them. He can also take shots with the worst of them. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Another coaching change, Utah Valley's Mark Madsen, after they fell in the NIT, he's headed over to Cal, which feels like a massive, massive missed opportunity for Stanford because he star- he played there, starred there while before he went to the NBA and was that one guy who was dancing in the Lakers championship parade. Now he's been a terrific coach in the college level. Uh, so Cal, I mean, definitely looking up, they've been bad. They were awful this year. They won like three or four games in, in total this year. So that's a pretty good hire. I think, I think Mark Madsen is a better hire than Gerard ha- ha- has, has, however you say his name, that's currently there. It's not that good. Still hasn't made an NCAA tournament. Uh, Army hired Kevin Kuwick. Uh, I forget where he's from. Um, he's an assistant in the group of five level. I can't. I, for some reason, I'm blanking on where he's from. Listen, Al, I don't expect you to know where every single assistant's from. <laughs> you mean this I'm is not, impressing me already. You, you mean I'm not John Rothstein? <laughs> um, do you have hobbies or do you watch college basketball? Buy stock now. Well, some people have hobbies. I watch college basketball. Uh, oh, also. <laughs> it spreads. Um, yeah, about that Temple head coaching job search, um, their president resigned today. Uh, so that was interesting because if there's like some big, really bad things going on there, uh, outside of sports, of course, uh, I- I'm surprised their first call wasn't to Matt Langle, the the Colgate head coach. I said this a couple weeks ago when they first won the uh, the Patriot League that that should be their first call after they let go of Aaron McKee because uh, the guy played at Penn, was a great player there, and then he's done a remarkable job at Colgate. I, I don't know why he wasn't their first call, but then they also offered the job to Missouri assistant coach. Uh, what is his name? What is his name? I'm trying to see what his name is. I do not know. I also do not know I what his no name clue. is. But he was a guy that wasn't really doesn't really have any ties to Philly or the Northeast, and they offered him the job, but he turned it down. So that kind of like really threw a wrench into the whole thing. Apparently, Carl Hobbs was a was like a finalist for that job. He took interviews. He didn't take interviews. I have no idea. So the whole Temple coaching search was a complete disaster. But they got they actually got a pretty solid head coach, um, and Adam Fisher. And apparently, he was up for the Penn State head coaching job too before they went with Mike Rhodes. So. Yeah, the stove is hot. Another guy that entered the portal today, Ismail Masood from Kansas State, but a 15 points and four threes against Michigan State. Apparently, Rutgers went after him a couple times when he first uh, attended, when he first committed to Wake Forest, then when he left Wake Forest for Kansas State. So let's see if they go after him for a third time. I mean, they could use another wing slash four guy. 
Um, yeah, you said four for four. We need guys that can shoot, man. Yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. I'll take anyone. I don't care. I don't care what size, what you look like. Just shoot. Not a great, him. not not a great defender. So yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, that's okay. We got about eight other good ones that, well, that can't yeah. shoot. So let's just get a guy that can. Well, there's barely shoot. anybody at the roster at this point. Uh, so like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. I mean, Rutgers. You got Cam Spencer. We still don't know what's happening with Paul Mulcahy or Andre Hyatt. I personally think Cliff Amore is going to be back. I think it's going to work out very similarly to Caleb McConnell last year and Ron Harper Jr. two years ago when they entered the uh, NBA draft. It's really just an opportunity for them to first get scouted out, see what they need to improve upon, and I think that's what we're going to end up seeing with Cliff Amore. But still, even if Cliff comes back and if Paul and Hyatt come back, there's still, I believe, three scholarship spots that are going to be open. Now, yeah, so. what do you make of the Paul situation? Did you guys see what he posted I on Instagram? Instagram? I yeah. think people yeah. are making too much of it. That's my opinion. I'm I, with you, Alec. It t- I took that as an end of your post. I don't yeah, think it's just like you know, he's a religious guy. Like yeah. he's thankful. He he yeah. believes in a higher power. Like he just had he goes he goes to college for free and plays basketball on national television and like he's religious. Like he's thankful. Like I I I'm not reading too deep into it at all. Yeah. I mean, if if. I don't know. Um, like, someone like if, if Anton Wolfolk posted that, I would think the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's coming back next year. Like, I, if if Paul leaves, it's because it's, I don't think this Instagram post means anything. It's just end of year. It was a dump too. It was like ten yeah. pictures, and it was all also, from this year. Exactly. That's the thing too. If yeah. you really wanted to have like a thankful thing, there'd be Ron pictures. There'd be Geo pictures. Miles Johnson would be in there, but it yeah. wasn't. It was just like year whatever it is for him. Four year four in the books. Thankful. Move on. Done. Yeah. And um, speaking of, like, no one left on the roster, talk about Penn State. They currently, coming into the season, have four scholarship players, and one of them is Micah Shrewsbury's son, who's committed to play this coming year. I'm imagining he won't play for Penn State. He's going to Notre Dame. He probably will. <laughs> the Big um, Ten is the is the coach's son conference. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's, got, it's, like, it's a good four or five teams. They yeah. Had a, yeah, Penn State had another guy enter the portal today, so they're now down to four, probably three scholarship players, at least as of right now. Um, so Mike Rhodes has a tough, tough job ahead of him. Uh, and then Tamar Bates, the point guard from uh, Indiana, played behind Jalen Huchifino, also entered the transfer portal. I thought he was going to get some more playing time next year. He's a good um, guy he, that Rutgers yeah. could get. Mm-hmm. Listen, mm-hmm. we need guards, okay? Yeah. That's what Rutgers needs to target. No more getting, like, the next Cliff. I mean, listen, Cliff's great, but you don't need to get a bunch of centers. We need Just get guards. We have, we're good you, in the center will, department. Everything will, everything will fall into place. You get some guys that can create shots, not name Cam Spencer. It's not a one-man show. You know, Paul Mulcahy, as good as he is, he's not a shot creator. He, he, he passes the ball. He's not a shot creator for himself. So you need to get guys that can do that. Tamar Bates, I know he shot the three ball really well last year. That's a good. That's a guy you look at that could give you really good impact if you could land him for sure. And then, let's see, another guy who uh, another guy from the Big Ten who entered the portal, uh, Jaden Epps, the freshman point guard from Illinois. I don't know who's going to play guard for them. They're definitely going to have to bring someone in after Sky Clark and Jaden Epps have both left after – a year and in uh, Clark's case, like less than a year. Uh, Jameer Young said he's going to come back to Maryland for his last year, so that's a big get for Kevin Willard. Also, something really, really wild that I saw in like the way beginning of the year. Jameer Young is the first player from uh, the local Dematha Catholic High School to play for Maryland in like 15 years. So that kind of gives an insight as to why Maryland fans weren't the biggest fan of Mark Turgeon, because like Dematha Catholic is a local is a powerhouse in Maryland basketball. And they, Maryland hasn't gotten a guy in, like, 15 years for them. So that's a funny note that I saw. Um, on, the, on the NEC side, so we already saw Tobin Anderson leave uh, to go to Iona. Merrimack, who won the uh, regular season title this year in the NEC, Joe Gallo, no relation, I'm assuming, to Joey Gallo, uh, signed <laughs> a long-term extension to stay with Merrimack. 
So that's a team to look out for to potentially make the NCAA tournament in the next couple of years. I mean, they would have made it this year just because of the ridiculous rule. Yep, I got to say something. Like, this this is ridiculous. You know, all the credit in the world to FDU and the fact that they were able to beat Purdue, but... If you, I don't care if you're in the middle of a transition. Honestly, it's more impressive if you're transitioning from D3 or D2 to D1 and you're able to win a conference tournament in D1, you should be rewarded and I get agree. to play. This is two years in a row. I agree. But yep. at least FDU, at least FDU was like, you know what? We won the play-in and we beat yeah. Purdue. Um so at least they took care of business. Yeah, and, and yeah it would have like, yeah. been annoying if they if they just if they lost, lost to Texas Southern. Southern. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not taking yeah. anything away and from Texas Southern. Yeah, Texas mm-hmm. Southern was like 11 and 20 this year. Yeah, they they <laughs> got in they got in by the graces of the, the automatic bid. And then another interesting portal entry, uh, Jamarian Sharp, the uh, the center from Western Kentucky after Rick Stansbury stepping away after a few years there, seven foot five, averaged seven point seven rebounds and four blocks a game. Oh he moves. I, I don't think oh I've God. ever I don't think I've ever seen a seven five guy. I haven't seen a lot of seven five guys move the way he does. So that'd be very interesting. I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, Missouri fans in the replies to this tweet. Um, Missouri fans are everywhere on Twitter, at least that I can see. I just um, I want to mention too the other seven five guy that was rumored in the portal yesterday. Okay, yeah, let me uh, let me. Dan Dockage uh, said that Zach Eady was transferring. Yeah, he said my <laughs> pe- I'm I'm using air quotes right now. My people said that Zach Eady's entering the transfer portal. His people was a fake Jeff Borzello Twitter account, which I found absolutely hilarious. Um, and, and there's no way Zach Eady doesn't go to the draft. Oh no, definitely no not. But Eady quote tweeted that himself and said, "My sources are telling me this is false." <laughs> <laughs> And Manhattan, who um, did some things to uh, their head coach, Steve Mazziello, that I can't say on air, firing him two weeks before the season. They hired former Hartford head coach John Gallagher, which he's fine. And I also felt bad for him because Hartford's moved into D3 in all of their sports. Um, So he kind of got a short end there. Um, He got the job there. I thought Rashawn Storrs, the interim, should have gotten that job. He did an admirable job. Again, the head coach got fired two weeks before the season. Their best player transferred out. He was the preseason conference player of the year. Um, and also, Rashawn Storrs played for Manhattan as well. Didn't Manhattan make the MAC championship game? I thought or semis. I know. I know they uh, won they, a couple. I know they won a couple rounds. Yeah, they, uh, they won a couple of games. I, they had a really good season. I, I thought Rashawn Storrs was going to get that job. Um, let's see what else. What else? What else? I'm now looking through Jeff Goodman's Twitter. I'm seeing a lot of beef with Dave Portnoy. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> well, going back to the transfer portal for a second, he's been in the portal for a while. I think the biggest get for Rutgers would be Khalif Battle. I don't. I think he's he's. I mean, the rumors are UCF right now. He just visited. I think Khalif Battle's the guy. Look, it, it could be. A dream and where's he from? Matuchin. Oh, well, he's from Temple. He played at Temple. Eddie Matuchin. He's young. <laughs> Use your connections. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's just it's it's just perfect. He's young, he already has power five experience. Not power five experience. He's got he's got he's got high major. If you want to put Temple up there, he's got experience. He's Listen, great. Temple he's beat a shooter. Yeah, <laughs> so I give him their flowers. Um, he's I mean he'd be a great player. It's coming home too. Listen, anyone that's a guard it, and Penn State proved it this year. It doesn't matter which level these guys come from. Temple, Siena, wherever. Right. Penn State got. Uh, Jalen Pickett from Siena and Andrew Funk from Bucknell. And that three-point shooting combination, and they got Seth Lundy's shot going as well, which helped. But that combination... Not Rutgers. Yeah. At, 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 well, they still exactly. took 26 shots from three. They, well, yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. But, but that combination got them to a Big Ten championship game and also got them to the round of 32 in a game they almost beat the number two seed, Texas. So the shooting and the ability to get guys in the transfer portal from wherever... 
it's all about spotting talent. I have no doubt that Steve Peichel and his staff do a good job at that, but they need to look at D3 and some of these other smaller schools as viable options in the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah, and we were talking about this, like, when we were watching FDU play Purdue, that they have these incredible guards, and they were all D2 transfers from the previous year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just saying, I I don't think I'll be able to pull any strings, because Khalif Battle is actually from Edison, and he went to Trenton Catholic. So, uh, However... Edison well, this website is lied, then. <laughs> right here. Edison is right near here, so like he's he knows Rutgers. Yeah, he grew up in an area where Jersey I'm, Mike's Arena. Hey, Arnold Sarkar's from Edison. Away. Maybe we'll get him on that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he went to a game or two growing up. Like it's you yeah. know it's definitely not like this is foreign territory to him. Um, but again, like just get guys in the transfer portal that are good. That are you know, just get them. Just get them. I don't care where they come from. What division? You know, just just get guys because we need them. And you know you can't expect. Gavin Griffiths to be this all-world guy in his first year, like you have to give him some kind of some growing area. You can't just expect him to be putting up twenty points a game every game right from the get-go. Should Jack Basaya walk on? I think he should try out. Why not? Well, I think he should. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Jack Basaya, he said he will play in the WRSU basketball tonight after the meeting. Mm. So that's big news. Yeah, that's big Sources news. tell ESPN. Well, let him cook. That's a that's a big transfer portal get right there <laughs> for whoever big, claims yeah. him. Um, um, we got about yeah. seven minutes or so left until the end of the show, guys. But we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the final four this weekend between um, FAU and San Diego State. I mean, I did not think I'd be saying those words at the start of the season or the start of the the tournament. Florida Atlantic, the nine seed, making it all the way to the final four, and San Diego State, the five seed. Listen. Alec, you might be the only one who knows in depth about either one of these teams and can give me an honest analysis of who you think will win and why. But well, I mean, it's it's fun nonetheless watching all these teams make these runs. Well, first I, uh, off, I gotta say, I went on Ellis's podcast during spring break. Alec was there as well, and those two were telling me not to have any faith in FAU because okay, at first well, I was gonna wow. take FAU, Uh-oh. and then I was conv- and then I was convinced to take Memphis over FAU instead. Uh, well, look yes, what happens. I, I said that because I thought they were woefully underseeded, which I still believe, and I think they've proven everyone right. Um, yeah, I mean, they almost lost to Memphis, and thank goodness for them that they didn't. Um, it was a one point game, so yeah. I mean, they weren't too far off. Yeah, that, that was a that could have gone either way. So I yeah I, I I did say that Memphis was going to win that game and I'm glad that I was wrong because I the well DA like you said I, I may be able to say I, the best analysis I have on FAU is they 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 have a bunch of dogs that's that's all I, that's all I got I mean they're they have a, they have like they a seven one David Palumbo yeah they they have like a seven one center uh, he's Russian he moves really really well it's pretty good I played really well in the first half against Kansas State uh, I was at that game I was also at the the Tennessee game. Where Pl- where uh, Plavchik absolutely decked him and drew a flagrant, which was pretty funny, <laughs> um, and yeah, so San Diego State. I mean, they're a tre- tremendous defensive team. Yeah, uh, Matthew. I believe is Matthew Baldwin is their best player. Uh, it sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, he he hasn't had a great NCAA tournament, but I mean, if he can catch fire, I mean, San Diego State could make it to the national title game, and I think they'll be favored. But never count out FAU. I mean, yeah, and and for any listeners out there that are thinking, well, San Diego State, you know, you might know them more than FAU, but FAU's conference, the conference USA, USA, both North Texas and UAB as your lock tonight in the NIT championship, both teams are in the conference USA, and so is FAU. So that conference, pretty damn good this year. Um, and San Diego State, the Mountain West, not too good, just really them, and I think everyone else kind of sucked this year in the tournament, but. Um, We'll go around real quick. We got about five or four, four or five minutes or so until eight o'clock until we're done here. But guys, the matchup: San Diego State, FAU. Um, both games are this Saturday, and then the other game, Miami versus UConn. Go, 
predictions. I got to stay on the FAU train. Roll Owls. I think they'll win. They just figure out a way to win. Dusty May never is shaken by anything, and that reflects on his players. I think they pull the upset and make the national championship game. On the other side, I got to keep up my, my brand as a UConn hater, even though it's proven me wrong every single time. <laughs> I think Miami runs away with it. Their guard plays just too good. Norshad Omeyer is not a overly big guy for being their best big, but he's a tremendous rebounder. I think Miami finds a way like they have every single other game. This tournament, it's going to be Miami and FAU. It's, it's a party down in Florida, and I'm going to say Miami takes it home. Okay. All right. I'm so. with you on that one, Alec. Miami, just they just ball. They just play basketball. It's, they it's know, insane they know ball. And they we've know said ball. Norchad O'Meara's name quite often in that game we called earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. A ton of rebounds. And they have more guards than Shawshank. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those guards is from down the block. That's true. It's <laughs> not a local kid in a day uh, long. So, for me, I think this is. I think we're going to get two really good games. I think the Final Four is really going to live up to it. I think FAU and San Diego State is going to come down to the very end. I, I, San Diego State really, I don't know. The, 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 the foul call was very questionable against Creighton. I think the Blue Jays should have been in this position potentially, but San Diego State made it. Shout out to them. Their defense is one of the best in the country. They've been consistently holding teams in the 50s, and they'll hold FAU down. They'll force FAU to play at their pace, but this has just been such a magical run for Florida Atlantic that I think FAU is going to be able to pull that game out. Other game... I think UConn has been cruising. They've looked the best out of any team. But they're going to run into a Miami team that is really experienced in these situations. They made the Elite Eight last year. And Jim Laranega has coached in the Final Four before with George Mason. So I really like what he brings to the table with them being more guards than Shawshank. I've got a friend (laughs) who goes to Miami. And uh, he doesn't know very much about basketball, but he's certainly into it now. Uh, But it's going to be an all-South Florida showdown, FAU versus Miami, but the big upset will happen. Butler came close to winning a championship the one time, couldn't do it. Florida Atlantic will be national champions of college basketball. That's great. I mean, like against Miami or UConn? Yes. I, like I, you think they could beat UConn? I, I think they could. I, I like this team. I think there's just some sort of magic in the air here, and this is going to be the true Cinderella of all ages. But then again, it's a team that's 30-3. and three, so Well, that's the thing. They won basketball games, and like I think that's what's becoming increasingly, especially from our perspective at Rutgers, I think that's, that's the metric. It's just win basketball games. FAU won the most games in the entire country. They lost three games. Like, just win basketball games. doesn't matter what level you're playing at. If you win basketball games, you are a good team. It's it's as simple as that, and I think this year on the national level is proven, and I think Rutgers has also proven it. It does it doesn't even, at some point it doesn't even matter if your good wins outshadow your bad your bad loss. It doesn't even matter. Just win basketball games. And I also think they already beat the best team standing in the tournament. They beat Kansas State, who I thought was the favorite with the way their roster was coming together. Yeah, All right, Giddy. Kansas State looked fantastic. I think Miami's taking the whole thing. Miami's winning the whole thing. Yeah, after seeing them play in person, I just think that it's such a hard brand of basketball to play against. Plus, their comeback against Texas, I mean, they're flying. Right. They just they will literally play until the final buzzer, no matter what. And they have the ACC Player of the Year. So, who do you have them beating? I, I, I was hoping it would be 8 o'clock before I had to answer this question. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would want them to beat FAU just because for the storyline, I do think it will be San Diego State. I just okay. think they have a great coach, talented roster. I'm more pre- more confident in Miami than I am in um, SDSU or FAU, uh, but I think that it'll be Miami versus FAU. All right. While I don't dislike your picks, uh, 
Eddie, I don't think FAU is going to win it. It just never happens. We've seen we've seen high seeds make the Final Four before, but we've all we've all seen them crumble in the Final Four game and not really make the championship game. Um, I'm going to take San Diego State in this one. I think their defense finds a way to silence this FAU offense that has been very good um, throughout this whole tournament. I, I just think that San Diego State has the the experience and can get in. Um, and then, despite Alec, you might not like UConn, and I, I can understand why. Um, I got to stick with my dogs. When I made this bracket in the beginning of the year, I didn't join our WRSU bracket tournament. I forgot about it, whatever. But I always print out a bracket every year, and I fill out and I handwrite my picks in like all the famous people, right? I have UConn winning the entire thing, and they have not given me a reason to pick against them. I don't care if, you know, if I could think that Miami, as good as they've been, I don't, you know, that they might beat UConn and UConn might get into, you know, run into a wall, whatever. UConn has been unstoppable no matter who they play. They blew the doors off Gonzaga, who was in a close game with UCLA, who a lot of people had winning the whole thing. So you don't know what you're going to get. UConn has shown me no reason to not pick them. So I think I'm going to have to go UConn, San Diego State in the championship. And like I said, I think I'm going to go with my guys since the beginning of the tournament when I had them beating Alabama in the championship. I'm going to go with UConn. I think they win this entire thing. They've been playing the best basketball in the entire entire tournament. I think once they get past Miami, I think they're smooth sailing because as good as San Diego State or FAU are, they will not be as good as Miami um, despite FAU making this run. I think think Miami is the second best team in this left. And I think if UConn can get over that hump, I think they they can win the entire championship. So... I'll pick UConn to win. I wrote down our picks just for fun, not to you know count towards anything, but just to round it out. Eddie, you have FAU beating Miami in the championship. So it, two, two of the four of us have an all-Florida championship game. Um, Alec, you have FAU in Miami. You have Miami as your champion. Giddy, you have Miami as your champion versus San Diego State, and I have UConn. So two, my, two in favor of Miami, one in UConn, and one in FAU. We'll see what happens, but it's 8.02, and that'll do it for us here on the Wednesday Crew. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Alec Cranhamel, Eddie Kalegi, and Gideon Fox. We'll see you tomorrow night around 6 o'clock for the Thursday edition of The Crew. Thanks for tuning in, and up next, further programming here on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick.